What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Yala. Uh, Yala, but it is the first episode of this week. First episode of this week. Yeah. Um, and it's on a rainy yeah, Tuesday evening, right? Tuesday night, nah? Tuesday yeah. evening, correct, correct. Tuesday yeah, yeah, yeah. evening. Yeah, thankfully we've 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 got a bunch of stuff in the works, but we're still gonna continue with the program, which is three episodes a week, where we dissect the hottest news with a touch of what, Terence? Good old fashioned humor. Good old fashioned humor by good old fashioned people yeah. who care about good old fashioned news. Which is which is something that's yeah, it's very severely lacking these days. I think. Yeah, man. Mm. Like I mean, sometimes you know it's just we're just bursting at the seams to talk about something in the news. But today, mm. today, yeah, we gotta admit that it was tough to find something that really tickled our loins, lah. Bit, bit dry and, and quite depressing. But but we'll we'll yeah. do our best. We'll do our best. To I mean, if this was palatable. a sports podcast, if this was a sports podcast or a Euro podcast, there'll be a lot to talk about after night last mm. night's matches, which I completely missed. Yeah, yeah, correct. And yeah. uh, you, so now you, you, subscribe you bought the full like. package, right? You bought the full package yeah. for Euro 23. I bought the full package. How many matches have I'm you watched? Two. <laughs> <laughs> so right now, they are $45 a match. Wow. Uh, and my goal is to bring it down. Bring it down to at least $10 a match. Like you subscribe to the full thing already? Uh, I subscribe you're going to the match by match? Knockout, knockout stages only. Yeah. I see. So I've only, see. I've only seen one match so far. So I'm on the same, about the same as you. La. But your per match rate is how much? Per match rate is about eight dollars, I think, somewhere there. No, but for what you have watched so far, lah. Oh, per match rate. Right now, I'm 60, at forty-five. Sixty dollars, oh. oh, sixty dollars. Okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, the goal is to bring yeah. it down, man. Bring, bring it, it down. down. Yeah, yeah, correct, correct. Bring it down. Cool. And then yeah. now Wimbledon started also. Mm-hmm. Uh, our and I really want to watch Federer. Yeah, our attention is being very, <sighs> very divided right now. But anyway, very divided. But why? Why? Yes. Then, then why should people be listening to this podcast? Because because we will fill your ear space. You know, like Euros, Wimbledon, they, they, they require to sit down and watch, you know, mm. be in front of a screen, mm. right? But we don't. You know, you can be doing anything. You can be staring into nothingness. You can be looking at paint dry. Mm. You can be looking at grass grow, but you can still listen to us. Mm. That's right, that's right. Right. Yeah. That is why. And, and I mean, you could also be eating while mm. listening to us. Yes. Alone, alone, alone or with yeah. one other person only, right? Alone with one other person, yeah. yeah, but but it sets the stage for the first topic of the day, which concerns food. Yeah, yeah. And and what 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 is what is the thing that we are that we need to talk about? Uh, I think this was flagged by Mr. Makan Sutra himself, KFC. To, uh, mm. he posted a letter from the NEA, which was addressed to a hawker, uh, saying that mm. based on the professional valuers' assessments. They will need to increase his rental rate by three hundred dollars a month, um, and then this this riled up Mr. Kfcito because he was just saying like, uh, yeah, in this day and age when hawkers are, you know, hawker trade is dying and and COVID is killing F and B industries, it's kind of crazy that any is trying to just you know gonna raise rentals by three hundred dollars lah. Um, mm. Yeah, so there was a, a, I mean, and it caused NEA to have to uh, uh, put out a press release also to rebut or at least explain the the increase, right? And uh, mm-hmm. do you have more details on that? Yeah, um, I mean, essentially, just so just for some background, like KSito, he's known as like the spokesperson for hawker centers, like and hawker Correct. stalls, right? 
Correct. Um, and his own background is that he is the founder of Makan Sutra, which mm. was started a while ago, right? And when it came out, it was kind of like a one-stop portal for local food, right? Mm. Um, and I think, yeah, he's, he's, he's been quite vocal over the past one year yes. uh, uh, about the plight of hawkers who, uh, with all the struggles they've been facing through Circuit Breaker, through Phase 1, through Phase 2, through Patuha. Mm. Um, and there's a lot of posts he's been making. And I mean, before this letter came out, he was also quite vocal about the, the problem of hawkers not digitizing themselves or going onto the food delivery platforms. Correct, correct. And his main point is that yeah, you know, there are many reasons why they don't go onto the platform. You can't just assume that they will go onto the platform and solve all their problems. Mm, but mm. this recent thing is he posted a screenshot of the letter um, and he did blank out all the names and details. Mm. But there, there isn't anything that kind of says, oh, you know, this was uh, from a different time and also I trust that it is it is accurate. And they, it was just a letter with multiple bullet points just talking very factually um, that okay, your existing tenancy agreement for the rental of the above mentioned store will expire on blah blah blah. If you like, if you like to continue, you like to renew, you will have to pay XXX dollars a month, mm. And the uh, the number that KSCTO suggested uh, referred to was what Terence mentioned, yeah, a forty percent increase, mm, right? Yes, correct. And his whole thing is that you know with 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 everyone is aware that hawker centers are getting f- fucked now. Hawker stalls mm. are. Uh, uh, just, I mean, if you walk into a hawker stall, a hawker, hawker center, it's 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 sad, lah, right? You still see people sitting there. You still see people taking away, but it's a far cry from what it used to be. Mm. And this is after a year of all that suffering, lah. There've been quite a quite a lot of grassroots efforts, like Instagram pages, to highlight the plight of hawkers, you know, elderly yeah. hawkers. But his whole main point was that how can NEA do the increase at this point? Mm. Correct, correct, right? Yeah. Um. So there was a lot of discussion about that on his his comment uh, on his post. Mm. But unlike a lot of other things, I would say almost an overwhelming majority of comments were in agreement like, saying, okay, like the letter cited that, okay, there are professional valuers who take into account this and that um, and they come up with a number. Like. Mm. But generally the sentiment was like, how can you do it now? Yeah. It's just the insensitivity right. of doing it now, like, right? Yeah, the insensitivity of doing it now. So then, yeah, like the in the in the post that Terence mentioned, um, the NEA started off by saying there has been a discussion online that NEA has increased the hawker stall rental by a significant percentage during this period, which is challenging for hawkers. Mm. So first of all, quite a bit of passive aggression there. Yep. Don't yep, mention yep. name, don't mention percentage, but just kind of hint at what we can all assume is KSCTO's post. La. So mm. then they go on to clarify that the process of of getting becoming a tenant for hawker stalls is also something worth talking about. Mm. Um, which is what I also just found out from this post is that the tenancy agreements are always typically three years mm. and the rental is kept unchanged. Yep. Right? Uh, and there is a monthly stall tender exercise that NEA does for stalls where people bid and you can get it for as low as a few hundred dollars or even one dollar. Yeah. And then the renewal three years later will be based on prevailing market rates mm. assessed by independent professional valuers. Mm. So so that is the process. Were you familiar that with that being the process? Uh, no, I wasn't. Uh, mm. And uh, yeah, it's quite surprising for me. Lah. Yeah. What What about it? Well, you're surprised. Lah. You're surprised. I'm surprised. I'm surprised. You don't have a pulse. You don't um, have your finger on the pulse of tenancy agreements, is it? No, 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 no. Because I think my... my 
I mean, we we always people our age always think that hawkers and hawker stores are, are cheap to rent, lah. Because back in the day, you know, they were very heavily subsidized and all. Uh, but mm. what what this NEA model, uh, in, in all its intricacies, and and thank you for providing all the details, lah. But but in mm. just in my head, the TLDR version is that essentially they're letting the market uh do a lot of the valuation work for them, lah. Right, they're letting the mm. market mm. decide what is the cost of what should the cost of rental be. Um, yeah, and and so so there's a, uh, so for NEA to let the market decide what the cost of rental should be, right? Um, mm. It kind of implies that this is just, we're just letting it, you know, market forces determine the future of this industry as well. Uh. And I mean, mm. don't forget, we're talking about a UNESCO heritage culture, you know. So we're yeah. willing to just let this UNESCO heritage culture uh, be, you know, the future of it be determined by market forces. And also that, the, you know, there's, they're, they're also mandated to serve at least, I think at least one affordable dish, right? That isn't above a certain price uh, in, mm, in mm. every hawker center or something like that. So, so there, there's mm. also some some form of price controlling um, based on based on just being a, in a hawker center. La. So, mm. it, it just feels to me a bit like um, they want they want the, the whole prestige of the UNESCO heritage site, but they don't want to to have to do what it takes to actually protect the industry as well, la, you know? They want to leave it to market mm. forces. Like every other thing in Singapore, they always say, we just leave it as a commercial contract, leave it to market forces, even though it's usually the small player who gets fucked and the big corporations get away with it. Mm. So, so but, I, but why, I'll, why? I'll admit I was surprised that, yeah. But but when you say, you know, like you seem to be saying leave it to market forces uh, with a bit of scorn. Mm. Why? Why why why, why the, that sentiment? Because, I mean, just, I mean, we, we all have very short memories, but I remember very clearly when the last time when they said, let's leave to market forces, you know, the, the price of, let's say, for example, the price of of to watch the World Cup in Singapore, you know? The government doesn't want to mm. get involved. It's going to be bidding between between uh, competitive players, Starhub, Singtel, you know, bidding for the EPL rights or World Cup rights or whatever, whatever football rights. And and from there, the, the, the prices just skyrocketed, right? So, so that's mm. what happens when you let the market just determine this law you know they they're no longer gonna at, at that point I think they just said that they're no longer gonna you know uh, subsidize World Cup as a free to air bo- broadcast or anything like that right they just let Singaporeans mm. decide for themselves and yeah and and, and and that's what happened basically people came in and then saw that oh there was an opportunity to just raise prices in Singapore where you know uh, highest number of I don't know billionaires per capita or something like that and and and, mm. and yeah la, just just price gouge everyone here la, you know um mm. so to me every time they leave stuff to market forces it just leaves a pretty bad taste in the mouth la, in my mouth la. and and yeah i think we've had a discussion before even about the film industry and everything like that you know certain things yeah. like culture art and all these uh if you leave them to market forces um, it's a very different set of priorities that people would determine whether your film or your piece of art should be displayed in public, right? It's mm. more about how much rent does it bring in, does it cover the cost and things like that. So just leaving the market just doesn't cover for a lot of the intangibles, the intangible mm. externalities, the positive externalities that can come from you know, being a vibrant cultural uh, cultural hotbed. And yeah. I think our hawker culture 
if anything, is the representation of that. Lah. And not to mention that it has also provided very cheap, affordable food for Singaporean families for very, very long. Lah. You know? Yeah. Because, I mean, like, um, I think just if, if anyone were to go through the process of getting a hawker stall, yeah, there's, there's so much literature, uh, which, I mean, seems like a fucking monumental task in and, in and of itself. Mm. But reading the NEA post, I mean, they, they go on to, first of all, explain that. Like what you said, they quite explicitly say they allow market forces to correct any rental rates uh, after the first three years. Like if it's mm. too high, they would kind of impose some sort of measures to not let it go too high. If it's too low, they might bump it up a bit. Yeah. Um, right. And and they did say that um, in view of the difficult COVID-19 period, there were certain things that they did. They mm. froze rental increases from 1st April 2020 to 31st March 2021. Mm. They provided five months of rental waivers and three months of subsidies for table cleaning. Mm. And there was a self-employed person income. And I mean, yeah, they... And at the end of it, they capped off by saying that the median monthly stall rental of non-subsidized cooked food stalls across all hawker centers is 1250 which they claim is significantly lower than stall rentals at commercially operated coffee shops and food courts. Mm-hmm. So I guess it's one of those things that it makes logical sense. Mm. But this is where we've seen time and time again that applying that sort of stuff to doesn't really work for certain industries yeah. because, I mean, like when KFC KFC2 mentioned a 40% increase, right? I mean, mm. it's still a percentage, right? Yep. Uh, but last night, which was the night of Monday, 29th, 28th, 28th. Uh, June, yeah. 28th June, he shared a screenshot of this one hawker, um, this letter where the original rent was 800 and it increased mm. to 1,100. Mm-hmm. And then plus service and conservancy, they pay 1,550 per month now. La. So mm. it it just feels, even if you look at the 800 to uh, 1,100, it feels like, okay, it's $300, you know, times are changing. But there was also another study that showed that um, I think during COVID, the, the average household income from work for the lower income families fell 69%. Mm. So it just feels like, okay, like these hawker stalls, You, I think just reading NEA's post, I can imagine someone in, a, in say the government thinking, wow, 1,250 for rent is still fucking cheap. You know, mm. in Lanscar, Singapore, it's fucking cheap. Mm. You want to go to a stall in a mall, you want to go coffee shop, it's fucking expensive. So why are they complaining? Mm. Right? Mm-hmm. But in the grand scheme of things, you run a business anytime there's a huge increase in cost mm. of like 30% or 40%, it could fuck up everything, right? Yeah, yeah. And that's that's even in normal times. Yeah. At this point in time where yeah, dining has opened up, but after what 15 months of already much slower um business, I can't even imagine the 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 what these hawkers are going through, man. So I guess this is it's just about the the incorrect timing lah it feels yeah I and, think and, and maybe I mean perhaps they have they have the internal projections ahead of when the economy is going to recover and everything but but as we know like even if the government tells you oh yeah you know we're doing well we're, we're you know COVID everything we're doing well and then fucking all these clusters start appearing again right it's like the fucking yeah. Hong Kong Hong Kong Singapore travel bubble huh? you know there's yeah. none of these predictions uh, you know, have any, have any, um, have any, hold any water la, at this point. 
so so like yeah. to, to just like say that oh yeah this is a you know every three years this exercise is done every month we do this these assessments and all I mean even a professional valuer like, there's no professional valuer who can really tell you when this whole COVID thing is really gonna just go away la. and and you know in the aviation industry people are tell us what 20 I mean we've heard from people in the aviation industry what 2024 right or, or anything mm-hmm. when they feel that the industry gets back to normal so I, I don't know how is it going to be for FMB la. and and the past month has been pretty bad for them but uh, yeah, yeah it's just I just feel that you cannot uh, have your kick and eat it you know what they're saying I never get the saying but what is it have your kick and eat it la. Yeah, you can't have your cake and eat it too. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That means you, you cannot yeah. have a... You want to have a full cake but at the same time also be eating it at the same time, right? Actually, I don't... I don't. I never got that also. <laughs> I because what it, does yeah. it mean? Like, you can have your cake but you don't eat it. That means you what? Hug it to sleep. Uh. You yeah. fucking sleep with a cake next to you. It'd be easier if they said if you give a cake and eat it too, right? That means you cannot give yeah, exactly. to someone else a cake that you're eating yourself, right? Yeah, uh, but if you have a cake, yeah, like you have dessert, you don't yeah. just cuddle it, cuddle with it while you exactly. eat it. Right? You're supposed to eat it. But anyway, <laughs> uh, yeah, we can go to the. But, but but I think what you said. No, but what, like what yeah, you what said, I'm even saying, one. Um, and just to complete that, is what I'm saying is that you cannot yeah. have all these. Uh, you know, basically saying that Hawker Center is our uniquely Singaporean UNESCO heritage culture that we we need to preserve, and then it also provides cheap, affordable food for Singaporeans, low-income Singaporeans. And then at the same time say that, yeah, market forces determine every, you know, everything about it. Because yeah, market forces are going to just, I mean, the prices of, of raw ingredients, all that also subject to market forces. Right? So, so, so yeah. it's, it's, it, it cannot be that you are like halfway uh, controlling the industry, but at the same time, you want it to be entirely subject to market forces. Right? Yeah, as as one of the comments was on KFC Toast Post saying, oh, we should just tell NEA that, okay, let, let market forces decide your, your pay also. Like, and <laughs> oh, shit, you know, after three years, got to decrease by 40%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. No, just look yeah, at the sorry. overall economy. How's the economy doing now? Like, shit, oh, okay, your yeah. salary goes down, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, yeah. so maybe they should pack the the something, like the inverse proportion of like um, NEA salaries, NEA civil, uh, employee salaries to hawker stores. Uh. Not to say that NEA employees are the cause of this because I'm mm. sure there are people working at NEA who care a fuck ton about this. But it seems like the gap is that, okay, if you apply this sort of like free market mm. um, the models to hawker centers, right? it feels like maybe it doesn't work because if... If people remember, and I'm very familiar with this because I also just got a house mm. from 20, 2008 all the way to 2013, right? It seemed like the market was determining the pricing prices of HDBs. Mm. And it was fucking going up like crazy, man. Yeah. And then yeah. at some point, the government had to be like, okay, this is this is unsustainable. We need to impose cooling measures to keep the prices of HDB flats to a certain level. Right? And mm. there have been many studies that still show that the the rate of increase of HDB prices outstrips the rate of increase of, of salaries. Mm-hmm. So, so like what you said is true. Like, like, like if you apply market forces to a lot of things, right? Uh, yeah. Singapore would probably look like a different different kind of a, a, a place. And I guess if the hawker center, hawker culture didn't get approved as a UNESCO heritage culture, mm. maybe it might be easier to stomach. Like, because you can say, okay, you know what? NEA is we are moving towards a smart nation. Anyone yeah. who can't digitize, 
fuck them, too bad. Yep, yep, but yep. now it just feels like on one hand, you're telling these hawkers, you know, we really care about you. Mm. You guys formed the bedrock of Singapore's culinary scene. Mm. But we got to increase your rent. Yeah, yeah. But uh, what do you think is uh, an acceptable, you know, period to, I mean, when can they actually ask for these rent rent increases? I don't know, maybe like, you know, now we are always hearing like month on month uh, GDP increase. You know, the mm. economy is growing by 1% per quarter. Mm. Maybe if there's con- consecutive um, months of of hawker business going up. Mm. I mean, we have, we, have, we have the ability to track everything, right? Yeah. Maybe there should be a way to track the human traffic going into hawker centers mm. or, or, or number of orders being placed. Yeah. I'm sure there are ways to track it, right? And if there are consecutive months of increase, so mm. at least it's pegged to, to some reliable stats. Like maybe once yeah. it reaches a point, okay, then then we can start having these sort of conversations. Correct, correct, correct. Um, I think, but, but there was also a post by uh, Daniel Go. I don't know if you saw mm. it in response to the, the NEA post as well. And... Uh, I mean, no, I no, think no, Daniel yeah. Go is a uh, is a food entrepreneur. I thought he has a he has a beer. I think a beer and beer on taps business uh, that is also run in a hawker center, lah. And uh, he's mm. saying that he actually said that the basically the the article on the online citizen that talks about um, uh, KFCito slamming NEA for increasing hawker stalls rent by forty percent amid challenging times. He said that the this headline is misleading clickbait, lah. And uh, he explains how it could have been 40%. The 40% could have been mm. because, yeah, like, it, it was just, you know, a very uh, a store with like lower rent that happened to be going through this every three year exercise, like, right? Where the rents mm. do, you know, possibly can increase by 40%. But usually it's quite a, a rare, not, 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 uh, not to say rare, but not extremely common case, like. Um, mm. But but the more important thing I think is that in his last couple of paragraphs he he tries to say that is you know if you really look at the details of this NEA thing it kind of distracts from the real bigger issue which is whether NEA should retain a bidding system which may not be as relevant today because uh, we're talking about UNESCO heritage culture that is just being you know put out there to, under a bidding system and 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 being crushed by by so called market forces like, right. Um, mm. and, and his last paragraph is, is very damning. I'm going to just quote it entirely. La. He says, It mm. remains abs- absolutely perplexing to me that our EDB can throw, that's Economic Development Board, can throw millions mm. at large MNCs for them to be based here in Singapore while we seem so intent on squeezing the lifeblood out of our hawkers by expecting them to subsidize our cost of living. So, uh, mm. breaking that down, he's, he's saying that uh, economic economic development board spends millions of dollars trying to bring in big MNCs like Lucasfilm, like you know a lot a lot of big companies like Dyson, whatever, to become and, and be here in Singapore. You know, give them a lot of subsidies, everything. But then when it but they're so intent on like squeezing the extra three hundred dollars from a small uh small time hawker in in a hawker center, mm. like, You know, and and and, yeah. and and it's just it just says a lot about what we prioritize in Singapore, lah. I mean, I don't know why, but just hearing you say that just gave me images of Singapore being like a culinary brothel. 
you know, we're saying, you know, hey, you guys, come to Singapore, we got this cheap food, you know, ah, yeah. you want chakwetel, ah, chakwetel, you come. Yeah. How much? Yeah. 250, you eat a plate, everyone's like, oh my God, this is fucking great, blah, blah, yeah, blah. Yeah. And then the hawker owner just comes out, you know, gives the gives the uh, food and goes back and it just feels like it's almost like, we've heard food porn before, but mm-hmm. to me, like, now it almost feels a bit too real for for yeah. comfort. Like that. It's just, like, we, we always talk about Singapore food being one of the best things about Singapore but if the efforts to kind of retain it especially mm. when it has been recognized yeah you know when when it it was recognized as a UNESCO culture like everyone like the mainstream media and all that were just jizzing over the fact like, mm. right that is so cool hawker culture but now to see this but but I mean okay so I did also see someone say that okay how is this different from you know when Grab and Uber and all came in you know those taxi drivers mm. who maybe mm. didn't want to jump on yeah. And then the common sentiment there was like, yo, okay, your industry is being disrupted. You either join them or, or die. die. Like. Yeah. Yeah. So so what is the difference here then? Is it a, is it a does it make sense as an analogy to you? Uh no, but and, and I'm gonna quantify a little bit because I've been just thinking a little bit about it as a just as a lay consumer, you know. Um mm. like when we were overseas and everything if you wanted to get like a really low cost meal when you were living and studying in Philadelphia or even New York, right? Whatever, whichever place. Mm. Philadelphia, New York. Um, what 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 would your options be? Uh, instant noodles. Mm. That would be it. That would be yeah. it. I think the cheapest, maybe like a Subway. Or, or even McDonald's or something like fast food, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. McDonald's, yeah. correct, correct. Yeah, yeah. McDonald's. Or, or how, about, how about, remember the food trucks as well, right? Philadelphia. The, yeah. the food truck culture is very big essentially the food yeah. trucks in the US they kind of function like what the hawker the hawker centers hawkers are in Singapore like, right mm. they, they provide very low cost uh, uh, not, not say low cost but but yeah they provide low cost food and uh, yeah. but then they are mobile like, they're very mobile and they operate out of their of the vehicle like, right nothing more yeah so yeah. Uh, but so I was just thinking, so okay, so what makes our hawker, hawker culture uh, special compared to, you know, a food truck culture? Uh, wait, so my analogy to the grab thing, you just push aside, is No, no, it? no, I said I will get back to Are that, but I just wanted to, to ask you okay. <laughs> for your perspective. Uh, yeah. Okay, what you say, the what? So what, well, what how makes, is it the same? How what is makes, it? No, what makes our hawker culture more special than, say, a food truck culture? Like that, you see a lot in, in a lot of big cities in the US as well. Uh, I don't know. Um, you have me stumped. No, I mean, I'm just going to I, this. This off the top of my head as well. Like I'm not. I'm not. Uh, yeah. I'm not a professor or anything like that. But I think it's uh. because uh, a lot of these hawker centers are mandated to to be cheap lah, to provide cheap, uh, cheap uh, food for lower income Singaporeans lah, right? So mm. um, the expectation is that if something is cheap, it's probably not good. But it turns out actually it's really fucking good, lah, right? And and and, mm. and the whole experience of dining at um at a hawker center is completely like is is devoid of any of the trappings of like going to a restaurant and then you know putting on a dress and and being served by a waiter. And it's literally just like the hawker cooks something and then he serves it and then he gives it to you. And you pay money, and then you sit down somewhere. You sit down anywhere. You can find a seat, and you eat, lah. Right? It mm, is purely mm. just for the sake of eating, lah. Whereas, like, like going to yeah. any restaurant or even a subway or or McDonald's, 
part of what you're paying for is the experience of sitting inside the McDonald's as well, right? Mm-hmm. And, and McDonald's has uh yeah they have no mandate that they need to feed you uh that, that they have to feed you cheap food, they 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 could they could jack up their prices if they wanted to like tomorrow like, right no no issues at all yeah yeah so so yeah. I think that's what's unique about it like in the sense that it was it came from a place of like um necessity to feed a you know a mm. growing de- uh, developing country population, uh but it has become. Uh, such a you know such a unique signifier of our culture, all the mixing of our in multiracial racial harmony and everything, uh, but also still still is very affordable for low income Singaporeans. Uh. Mm. I think that that is something uh, very unique about it lah. That we can't we can't uh, comp- uh, you can't find in a lot of other countries. So going back yeah. to your analogy about that, right? Uh, I mean, mm. taxis, they're not UNESCO Heritage Protected or anything like that. Ultimately, they are, they are you know, a taxi in New York is also similar to a taxi in Singapore, right? Essentially, it's still a service. Yeah, it's run yeah. by commercial companies. Someone wants to make money. So I think there's a, it's, a, it's a little bit different, right? Yeah, I mean, I think it is also because I think... Uh, to me, like before Grab, before Uber, if you're a mm. taxi driver, from what I understand, my layman understanding is that you still have a contract with, say, one of the taxi companies, right? Mm. Uh, you rent your taxi, and there's a certain level of commission that goes to that company, la. Yeah. Uh, whereas with Grab and all, yeah, you pay them a commission, but you could technically use your own car, mm-hmm. So to me, you're still going to be paying a commission to someone. Yeah. Um, I think for for hawker centers now if hawker, hawker store owners, if they were to jump onto one of these platforms, right, mm. the 30% commission, no matter how much, how many months waiver and all these tech platforms give hawker stores, at some point, it's going to be 30% of the price mm. uh, that will go to the tech platform. Yeah. And uh, KFC2 even highlighted certain paragraphs in the terms and conditions of all three Deliveroo, Food Panda, and Grab mm. that implore the hawker store owners to to price their food similar to what the people would pay when they go in person. Mm, so that mm. means it's just 30% of, they're not even being able to pass on the price to the customer. No? I don't know how Grab or Food Panda or Deliveroo penalizes store owners for increasing the price. Mm. But it just feels like, yeah, if, if they want to pass on the additional 30% to consumers, I think consumers would be willing to pay. Mm. But from I can imagine from Grab, Food Panda and Deliveroo's perspectives, where they might there might be stalls on all three of the platforms. If mm. one platform has higher uh, prices, then le- le- legitimately, I mean, no customer would go there. Like if you want to let the free market forces, so yeah. um, it just feels like the hawker store owners are just getting screwed from every angle, man. And yeah. just a simple Google search will highlight a bunch of articles done by Straight Time, CNA, where they interview these hawkers, and I yeah, they just they just stuck, man. Yeah, and. Yeah. It just feels like, wow, thank, like, like, I guess we need to be grateful for KFC though. You know, sometimes he can be quite off the cuff and all, but mm-hmm. if it wasn't for him, I think a lot of this wouldn't even be in the mainstream consciousness. Yeah. Which yeah. is so fucking sad, man. Yeah. So that's why I said this was a, yeah, it's a very, it's, it's very depressing kind of news that, wow, to find a funny angle so it's tough. Lah. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, I mean, if we are missing missing something totally, or if mm. someone listening here, it works in NEA or has some visibility about why the fucking like model for pricing has to be this way, please yeah. enlighten us because 
we have tried to look at it, we have tried to research, we have tried to read up as much as we can, but nothing, nothing seems to justify this sort of treatment of what we deem as a UNESCO culture. Mm. Yeah, I think yeah, for me the, the UNESCO thing just really uh changes the whole the whole um the the way you the lens through which you have to view this whole thing. Lah. You know, it, it can't yeah. be viewed through a normal like oh laser fair market forces, economy, let the economy decide kind of thing already, lah, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, the NEA, even in the, the last line of their post, mm-hmm. it's, it reads, NEA remains fully committed to supporting and promoting our hawker trade and culture. Yeah. Really, are you fully committed or just a little committed? <laughs> Come on, NEA. Big difference. Come on, NEA. Big difference. Big difference. Yeah. But, ooh, ooh, not the easiest thing to talk yeah. about. But speaking of like, uh, uh, you know, millions of dollars, flowing millions into Singapore. <laughs> well, now we can talk about uh, like almost like a billion dollars flowing to one man's pocket. La, right? This, this is your, your favorite kind of topic. Uh, all these kind of financial frauds and scams and all this shit. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. No, I mean, uh, and, and I think this piece of news is, is pretty interesting. It, is, it was presented very matter-of-factly, but actually it makes you really think about, you know, the, the people who are so-called professionals in their jobs and things like that, la, right? And what, what yeah, is this issue? Exactly. Yeah, I mean, this issue is a follow-on story for uh, the news that broke, I think like maybe a month or two ago about mm. uh, Mr. Ng Yu Tsi, who's a director of Envy Asset Management and Envy Global Trading, mm. who is said to have swindled investors into putting at least one billion into nickel deals. Mm. Nickel the metal yeah. that never took place. Mm. And now he has, I think, over 30 charges of fraud. Mm. And... For a while, it was in the news. I mean, he's a fairly young guy, like 34 or so. And prior to this breaking, if you look at his CV, he's like, wow, shit, managing director of this asset management. And like, it's just a gist fest of everything that that uh, society puts up on a pedestal. Uh, and he was, he was also um, a philanthropist and everything, right? Like, oh, yeah, uh, yeah. venture capital uh, investor, you know, invested in a few startups. Yeah, all the buzzwords. Yeah. All the buzzwords. Started and he has a man bun. A, a car yeah. dealership as well called Envy Motors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he just looked like a fucking baller, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then it broke that, okay, the nickel deal. And I don't know if you know anyone personally, but I know someone personally who got, who invested money in that and almost was shitting his pants until he managed to get, get money. back money from a guarantor yeah. who first approached him to invest. Okay. So, so, so I mean, yeah, you, you, these kind of scams happen and and everyone has seen articles, you know, like this this 70-year-old person gonna scam, mm. this love scam, this love scam. And if you look at the, the general tone of these anti-scam uh, ads, right, they tend to target maybe maybe the the less educated people mm. because mm. that is a stereotype, like, you know. Yeah. Oh, you know, our educated people won't fall for this shit. We need to protect the yeah. illiterate and the people who might not know better. Correct, correct. But then... The interesting thing that Terence mentioned just now about the news that recently broke is that amongst amongst the hundreds of people who were allegedly cheated by this man mm. were people in, like the likes of whom are like the general counsel for Tamasic International, mm. Peck Siok Lan, yeah. uh, a criminal lawyer, Sunil mm. Sudhisizan, yep. and the former president of the law society, Tio Shen Yi. Mm, mm, mm. And... They were allegedly cheated of five point five million, one million, and eighty seven thousand dollars respectively. Yeah, yeah. So, so and what even, did you even find like, interesting about this news? No, even even uh, some private equity players, right? Like Vickers, 
Capital or something. Oh, yeah. Finian Tan. Is it Finian or something? The ch- yeah, the chairman of Vickers Capital Group, yeah. Finian Tan, was allegedly swindled of 19.2 US million and yeah. the chief executive of Chuan Hub Holdings, Terence Pei, was said to be cheated of 3 million. Yeah, so this is all chump change to these people, but it's just, it's still quite a shock, right? That, that, that these yeah. so-called people so, working in law and finance, these professionals, didn't, like, did they do their due, due diligence before? before, you know, investing in this guy? That's a big question. Yeah. So, I mean, probably, I guess, I guess not. Um, but but yeah. I guess it was just interesting because there's this stereotype like that, you know, the people who get scammed are the people mm. who maybe are more desperate for cash yeah. or, or maybe in a position where they were cornered. But then when I see this, I'm like, yo, um, I think this, this needs to be acknowledged that everyone is susceptible to scams yeah. and people who think they are not susceptible almost become more susceptible because there's a way to scam and manipulate anyone. Mm. I think anyone is open to that. Yeah. So I just found this, that's why we selected this as a goofy topic like, mm. because like, I mean, the former president of the law society, like he's a fucking lawyer and he was um, named Singapore lawyer of the year yeah. last year. Yeah. But he couldn't see <laughs> he through this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's why. So either they have too much money or either they are very good in one thing that they do, but not the most uh, careful about the other aspects of their life. I can imagine, yeah, if you're raking in millions yeah. of a year, in a year, you invest in like, I don't know, like 10, 20 different things and one of them loses, okay, a big fucking deal. Yeah. I mean, I mean, we, we <laughs> at the start of this podcast, we just talking about, you know, subscribing for Euro 2020, right? I mean, mm. essentially, you fell for the, you fell for the, the HO marketing <laughs> ploy of like, oh, buy more and get it at a discount right now. And then you and you probably didn't do a calculation of how many matches that you actually watched, like, right? Yeah. yeah I didn't yeah. even buy it at a discount. I didn't buy it at the early bird. I was the late bird, you know, like they just come, then all the birds gonna take yeah. the worm ready. I was like, oh fuck. Yeah, I wanna yeah. get some of the worms. Where are the worms? Where so, the worms at? So for example, yeah, due diligence in the Euro 2020 is something like what I did la, whereas I because I hey, went fuck to re- you la, okay? no, 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 I saw no, no, how no. you said that I just tried to explain relax <laughs> relax no one's saying you're stupid don't associate no, it with the action what, with that's the what person you're you implying are. you fucking set me up and then now nicely you come here unlike Harish oh. who got, just got scammed by, uh-huh. by the telco I, I did my due diligence you know shut the hell up man <laughs> if it makes you feel better it's because I'm I'm, I'm very stingy and, and no no no, no, no. A, don't a, give me you I'm then a, a penny. What do you call it? A penny pincher. But for example, oh, so then now you now you implying that I'm laissez fair, la dida, just do whatever uh, I want. Is it? No, See, no, no, there's no way you can come out of this looking like a gentleman, Darren. It's what explaining so you're implying what I is never do diligence. my due diligence. Is it? No, no. I'm just uh, saying that you never. Uh, yeah, la, Harish didn't do as much due diligence. Uh, eh, about it, <laughs> it's true. Uh, no, and no, I wouldn't say it's due diligence. I said I, I overestimated my capability to change my schedule of sleeping to watch because I I worked out how much it would cost uh, per match mm. if I watched all the remaining matches, and it made sense. It's just I haven't yeah. stuck to that. So, so so it's not a lack of due diligence. Yeah, so so that it's is a lack the, of planning. Uh, there is a certain yeah la, lack of planning there la, right. The, 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 the mm. self awareness about what is possible and what's not possible. Hey, fuck you! <laughs> Why are you getting so <laughs> upset about slipping. this? No, just because one example. Because, okay, no, 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 no. There's a difference. There's a difference about me maybe like not not being not being able to adapt my sleeping schedule because of work yeah. stuff. Yeah. And when you slip in words of oh lack of self awareness, that's a personal attack. 
Okay, that's a fucking personal attack. That's okay. attacking me personally, and I do not appreciate that. Okay, so so Harish has been very busy, so he didn't have time. He didn't. Have, he hasn't had time to examine. Okay, that's that's fine, right? That's no. not that's not personal. No, no, I don't. Now I don't like the tone of your voice. <laughs> I don't like the tone of your voice. Then you are being too sensitive, really. Get, oh, don't no, get offended, sensitive. snowflake. You call, you're calling me a snowflake, is it? You know what? This this discussion is pointless. No, 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 no. It's 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 important. So. I think, okay, broadly speaking, Harish looked at, uh, oh, okay, this number of matches there are, and this how much the total price would be. I just, you know, maybe I'll probably try my best to wake up for as many as possible, right? Mm, uh, mm. And then, and then for someone like me, because I'm a lot older and I have a kid and everything, I know that like if I if a match is at three a.m., the likelihood of me waking up is much lower than it was before I had a kid, lah. So I discounted mm. all the matches at 3 a.m. Then I looked at the total price of like, wow, shit, how much am I paying per match? Then after that, I started, then I dug deeper and looked into the quality of the first round of matches, like the group stage of matches. And I was just seeing like, how many of these am I actually interested in? Do I even know one player from from both team, from each team playing? Like? So if I didn't know that, mm. I would like throw out that match as well. Like, like I wouldn't even bother to watch it, right? And then, and then I realized mm. that throughout the group stages, there were probably only like two matches that I really wanted to watch. Uh. And, and for those mm. two matches, I'd be paying an extra $30, uh, which comes out to about $15 a game. So I just said, okay, I'm just going to wait until the knockout stages and then I'll watch. Then I'll pay, you know, the the, the collective price to watch. Uh. Um, mm-hmm. But now this is the second day in. I think four matches have come and gone already. I've only watched one so far. Uh, I haven't been mm. able to wake up at 3am to watch any matches. So so mm. I mean maybe by the end of this I'll be the one who 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 paid end up paying more per per match, per la, match yeah, yeah. depending like depending yeah. so relax I'm not saying that you're you're out out and out the loser <laughs> I mean what you're just in a different situation than from than me I'm in a situation where waking up I I have no choice but I have to wake up at a fixed time every single day regardless of whatever happens you see you know yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so so there's a yeah, bit so you should I have a bit less flexibility. With you, you should have started with that because that would make it a lot more palatable. Yeah, but then you wouldn't even let me talk. You were so defensive. For me. Oh, hey, I always let you talk. <laughs> but but when you go into personal slandering and yeah. character misrepresentation, that's when I have to step in. But, but okay, so but even then, right? It's taken very long yeah, detour. It, uh, I think <laughs> basically what we're saying is that um, sometimes, yeah, la, sometimes maybe at the start, when, when someone offers you an investment opportunity upfront and everything, there's a thought process that, oh, you know, if 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 someone reliable offering me this, someone that I know, a friend or what, maybe there isn't a need mm. to do diligence. They probably did already. And the basic number looks fine. So they're like, okay, okay, I just put 19 million in whatever. It's chump change anyway, right? So so that mm. could have been the thought process. And and as opposed, and yeah, it's just not, 19 million maybe is not a lot of money for them. It's a lot of money for us, but it's for, the, for, for that guy, maybe it's just chump change. It's nothing much. Right. Yeah. 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 So I mean, it's quite it's quite ironic, right? That the, our first story was about the plight of people who even a three hundred dollar increase, it just changes their life. Like, yeah, they the quit. Worst. They quit the industry right. basically. Yeah. Yeah, and in this case, you look at these people like kind of fucking swindle of like money that I'm guessing they were prepared to. I mean, if they lose, they'll be like, ah, oh, shit. You know what? All yeah. right, just gotta pick myself up and carry on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which it just it just boggles my mind. Suddenly, suddenly there's some revelation that the Ng Yuti guy was like, 
planning this 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 uh, to give everything to hawkers. Uh. <laughs> oh, <lama. laughs> no, I mean, but oh. I did I did go down the rabbit hole previously of like reading up about him and and more of what he did and everything. And and uh he invested in some legitimate startups. I think there was at least one in the, in the news, some HR startup that he uh that he invested like a, a few million in, like, I think one to two million. Um mm. and then he also was doing a lot of philanthropy work. Um, he had a like I said a motor car dealership for very, uh, very very boutique high end vehicle cars lah. They called Envy Motors, and I think the co-founder was another young dude, a twenty something young dude who, you know, just was like um was named as one of those in one of those thirty under thirty lists. And there's a video of him somewhere on the internet lah of him talking about his style and what Rolex watches and shoes he wears and all that. And and like the guy's twenty six, you know? Twenty six with a mm. with a supercar dealership. I'm just thinking like, wow, how the how did he get into that lah, you know? Um but but yeah, I guess it, it all came from from this big scam lah, right? When you got a billion yeah, dollars. So Yeah, so it's just I mean that feels like it needs to be investigated further, like it needs to be turned into some sort of movie or something because yeah. because I mean, <laughs> even recently I don't think we have spoken about it yet, but the case of uh match fixing the esports, right? Yeah, yeah. Like I mean it just feels like oh fuck, there's so much of this that revolve around I don't know, just like in some way you could say it's greed or or just some way to game the system, like, mm. which is fucking interesting, man. Yeah. Uh from Harsh Dalal to this guy to there was that Bella Nova group. Mm. And all that, right? Mm. Yeah. So I mean, uh, yeah, again, just... a big, big recommendation is to read uh, either Bad Blood, which was about about uh, how Elizabeth Holmes, you know, food like the uh, you know very very smart or supposedly very smart people in, in from the U.S. government and 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 and, and investors and everything fooled them into yeah also investing uh, uh, you know b- um, billions of dollars in, into her startup that was basically failing. And uh, yeah, and also like Jolo, who essentially gamed the whole financial system to enrich himself, uh, allegedly, like, allegedly. Yeah. So, so the 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 two books are Bad Blood and and Billion Dollar Whale, uh, to to really see how, yeah, one it's just the small things they do, like, that 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 lead to people, you know, thinking that they can trust them. It's a lot of psychology involved, uh, but it's 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 uh it's very interesting, like. And I'm sure this guy. It's probably he probably knew it from the start already, like that. This was his this was his end game, like, right? This is his big thing. He's gonna like get billion dollar investments after that, I don't know, buy cryptocurrency, it's stashed away somewhere, and then you know, he'll get he'll go to jail for ten years, then he'll come out and and go and enjoy just leave Singapore and enjoy the rest of his life in some castle somewhere, like, you know, with the remaining yeah. money that he stashed away in crypto. Yeah, exactly. I think I think once you get into that like multi-million dollar or billion dollar club it's just a different world because yeah. i mean even last week uh there was the case of uh the john mcafee yeah. who apparently committed suicide in a spanish jail mm-hmm. um and it just feels like in the upper echelons of that that kind of shit right there's so much stuff that happens like yeah and it's rarely ever dis- uh, uh discovered like and i mean like this guy even though yeah, he scammed people of a billion dollars he was probably in that in that that realm of society already, like, and it just mm. fucking blows my mind the shit that could go on there, la. Yeah, yeah, correct. But it's pretty insane, la. So, so yeah, I mean, I'm sure he already has has an exit plan already, la. Like he already knows, like mm. 
he already knew that at some point the whole thing was going to implode. So he's probably been taking steps already uh, to to try and stash his money away somewhere. Yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-mm-mm. So mm. uh, I guess uh, is is this a is this a funny topic? Funny goofy topic? I mean, I guess it's 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 a goofy, goofy thing about um, the the nature of of this whole. I mean, it's a it's a aspect of scamming that we rarely see, like, mm. because it's always like about the 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 scammers punching down, you know, and the people who maybe are desperate for money. Whereas this one is like, yeah, it just shows that yo, you can be lawyer of the year, yeah, and still be scammed. Yeah, yeah, correct, correct. I mean, there could be an argument yeah, that, oh, so they're so busy, they don't even handle their own investments. And, and that, that, that uh, might be why. La. Yeah, but then, I mean, okay, it, it, chances are if you go to the other extreme where people are desperate for cash and like, um, they also have a lot of things to deal with. La, mm. And they mm. might not even be in a position to to have access to resources that allow them to outsource shit. Yeah. If you are handling two jobs, three kids, yeah. and just living month to month, you also have a lot of things to think about. Correct, correct, yeah. You know what would be right. f- fantastic though? If they if they made a crime watch episode of all these guys getting scammed by this this guy law. You know? Oh, it'd be the most baller yeah, crime a- watch episode ever. They'd be like have yeah, supercars like- <laughs> rolling up to like expensive officers <laughs> and everyone's wearing like expensive suits and then they're like, Oh, this guy and you know the very bad acting in Crime Watch and everything. And like, yeah, oh, this, right. this guy is a big lawyer in Singapore and he got scammed on $19 million. <laughs> yeah. And finally, like like being uh, the token minority who gets custard, you're no longer like the <laughs> the thief that breaks into a house. Yeah, you're like a fucking yeah. scammer. Yeah, the, those, those, you're yeah. a billion dollar scammer. And then yeah, like, you're, you're, you're a big time lawyer, you know. You're no longer like some uncle auntie. Huh? That's so easy. That, you mean he scammed me? That kind of thing. You actually have to deliver yeah, your lines properly. Oh my goodness, I just yeah, got scammed. Exactly, man. <laughs> yeah. I just got scammed. And it'll be like some very very high produced Crime Watch episode, like high, high production value and all. Uh, like Crazy Rich Asians yeah, X cool, Crime man. Watch, basically. Yeah. That's <laughs> a- <laughs> See, if they made Crazy Rich Asians and went into this sort of realm, right, that would be something I would watch. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true, that's true. I would totally watch that'd it too. That would be fucking great. Yeah. Yeah, man. But well, but, but yeah, that well. brings us to our next segment, which is the one shot thing. The one, hey, no, sorry, one, one shot thing. One shot comment yeah, of the past yeah. few days. Yeah, and what is what would you like to do the honors and go first? Uh, it's a, just a comment back to Reddit from Miso hmm. Miso Milo, uh, on the Lawrence Wong speech. Uh, I think they, um, I think Miso Miso Milo also you know gives the the their own take on the Lawrence Wong speech saying there was a very daring swim by a politician into the murky waters of racism, uh, especially mm. for a relatively young politician who hasn't accrued so much street cred. I think only LKY could have spoken more frankly on the issue and he wouldn't have phrased it so nicely. So there's a lot of um, yeah, high praise there for Lawrence Wong. Um, mm. But but also, yeah, just just uh, to pat ourselves on our back as, as always. They say that they put our um, Miso Miso Milo has put our podcast on rotation with Conan O'Brien needs a uh, Conan O'Brien needs a friend podcast. So yeah, mm. it's, I mean I know I know Conan O'Brien has finally finished his show right, like his run on TV. Yeah, like he's done. So yeah, yeah, it's quite an honor that you know we're being mentioned alongside Conan O'Brien's show. Yeah, mm. and I think they yeah. they ask they ask like. 
is there a whole team behind this podcast? Like, oh, know, yeah. Because we do it three times a week. Uh, what's because the it's mind-boggling, right? Mind-boggling. Yeah. What's the answer? Um, I mean, I... Uh, I I I have a teammate la, and and Terence also has a teammate la, right yeah and and that teammate is each other yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no no but but the yeah the truth is we have used um in the last year we've really used technology to our to our yeah. advantage la, to try and pivot and and also make the recording of this podcast a lot easier than than yeah than our, but how that being said is. yeah that being said we are looking to to expand uh, the team. We have been speaking to a few people for an internship role. Mm. Um, and yeah, I mean, if, if you think you can work with us in some way, be it an internship, be it even a full-time employee, right? Just mm. hit us up because we have so many fucking things we want to do. Yeah. And with a great team, we we can achieve the magical um, uh, level of content creation. Oh my God, that sounded so horrible. Yeah. But yeah, <laughs> yes. Yes. Cool. But um, yeah, so... So my, my one short comment is uh, a comment on the thread of uh, the Fucker Fast podcast. It is mm. by Accidental, Accidental Jurist mm. um, who, yeah, who offered quite an in-depth um, uh, thoughts on like the when we were talking about wokeness and, and how Trevor Noah also had something to say about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but one thing that the this comment kind of enlightened me about is, is this, this app called Citizen, which I never knew existed. It was apparently previously called Vigilante and it is um, uh, uh, almost like an app that wants to democratize the police force in the US. Mm. And it's a social media app that allows people to track police radio plus report and live stream suspected crimes and it's like raised a shit ton of money and it's been funded by VCs and uh, Accidental Jurist put a link to a few articles on CBS News, NBC News, Vice News mm. about his app. Like I, haven't, I haven't read them all. I bookmarked them. Yeah. But it just... Like these are the kind of things that I, I really appreciate our subreddit for when people give us new shit to read mm. and blow our minds with. Like. That's true, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, so so that's pretty pretty awesome. Correct, correct. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Cool. And now for the one show thing. What is what is your one show thing, man? Uh why don't you go ahead first? Okay, so so mine just incidentally, you know, you mentioned just now the thing about Conan O'Brien, right? My yeah. my one shook thing was the fact that um yeah he on June twenty fifth he posted a, a farewell to to his late night show mm. and and he had a whole bunch of interviews with like uh Jack Black, uh, Jordan Schlansky, his mm. his long term producer who also plays a hilarious uh, stone faced character in multiple videos over the years and I think the one shook thing is is not just any one of those videos, but the fact that like, in terms of talk show hosts, Conan O'Brien is my favorite talk show host like, of all time. Like. Mm. And I think he he's not going to be exiting TV. Mm. Uh, he's he's going to be premiering a weekly, once a week variety show. But the, the Conan O'Brien, yeah, it's just like when I think of people I look up to in the comedy world, like he's someone like I really respect because he, he wrote for The Simpsons. He was on SNL. And I believe he was on SNL. And, and even if you hear people like Stephen Kobe and all talk about him, right? Mm. Uh, Louis C.K. even, of course, ignoring all the controversies, Louis C.K., there are segments online, YouTube clips, where Louis C.K. very vocally says that if it wasn't for Conan O'Brien who, who kind of hired him and kept him in the industry, mm. he would never have made it. Like, because uh, it just feels like Conan, Conan really did a lot for the comedy scene and I really respect him for that. Like. So if you mm. can just... Mm 
just watch some of his videos that just came out and and I've heard his farewell is very sweet. Yeah, yeah. Um, That's cool. Yeah, Yeah, I heard a lot of uh, interesting guests on the last week of his show as well, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm. It's cool. Yeah, man. Uh, So my one shop thing is is related to mixed martial arts uh, in the sense Mm. that I've been a, I would say I've been a casual fan of mixed martial arts for many years already, like almost 10 years. Now. And I say casual in the mm. sense that I don't actually, I haven't, I've, I've, I've only scratched the surface of le- trying to learn martial arts myself, like, right? Whether it's boxing or, mm. or craft manga and all that. So um, I, I enjoy the spectacle, but I, when someone tells me, oh, this fighter is so freaking awesome, or that I can't for the life of me tell you why one guy is specifically better than the other, like, right? Like, 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 um, you know the, the the little little things that uh you have to, you have to look into. It's more than just like who knocks out who. Is about the little, little things like how they pressure someone or how they they corner someone in a you know in the ring and stuff like that. So I've always enjoyed like um this this particular uh, an analyst named Dan Hardy. I've always enjoyed his mm. analysis of, of fights uh, and he's a British. Uh, he used to be a fighter in the UFC as well. And he's a British guy. But he just recently got uh, fired for some some controversy, some controversial thing that he did during a UFC live event like, where he, uh, I think he confronted one of the referees after after a fight and saying that hey, he scolded a referee for not not, uh, not not calling off the fight sooner because like, one mm. of the fighters was on the ground getting injured, like, you know. So so because I think because of that, he got fired. Um, so one one company's loss is another's gain. So one championship now is working with Dan Hardy, and he just did. Um, and the, the the fruits of that are just is out there already. Like. He just did a, I think it was almost a half hour long video analyzing one of the one of one championships most exciting fi- fighters are Rod Tang. Do you remember when we went to watch one championship? There was this. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There was this kickboxing uh, guy from Thailand who dances on his way to yeah. the ring, but then in the ring yeah, he's yeah. like a freaking badass and oh, like beast. Uh, yeah, yeah, he's yeah. like he gets punched in the face and it's almost like he just shakes it off, right? Nothing more, nothing more than yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, um, Dan Hardy does a half hour analysis into Rod Tang's one championship career. Like he goes through every single fight and and he talks about what. I know how why he's so dominant and how what kind of adjustments he makes in between fights and everything, and it, and it just makes it allows you to really appreciate like uh, the the craft uh, behind behind being a world class kickboxer or Muay Thai fighter and everything uh. so so even for mm. someone who doesn't practice it like me, uh, it, it's still quite a watch because like he will actually like you know show you something then he'll rewind it and then show you the exact instant where. Where you know it was a very high level thing that he did that, that most people can't do, and so yeah, it's, it's just a very, it's very interesting watch, and I feel yeah, it's quite quite sad for the UFC that they, that they they had they, they fired him because I think he provides some of the best analysis, uh, that I've seen like, on the internet and and uh, yeah, I mean it's cool that he's now looking at one championship which is much closer to us, and then you can also, I mean uh or to be transparent we've worked in one championship before but yeah the fights and the events are awesome like, right so 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 if you're interested mm. to go and find out more about what's on our shores and what's in Asia uh, yeah you should check out this this particular video by Dan Hardy on Rod Tang oh yeah. and I mean Dan Hardy used to be a fighter as well huh? yeah 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 he used to be a fighter then I think he got a couple of injuries and then he was 
um, given a job as a commentator and analyst and people realize yeah. hey shit he's damn good at breaking down like the the, the thing everything to very layman terms uh, such that you can really understand it so he so mm. before all the big fights usually he does like a good like half hour breakdown of the you know what to look out for in the fight and everything so um, it's it's uh, especially for people just new to the sport because of Conor McGregor or Ronda Rousey or even today like Israel Adesanya or whatever uh, it's, a, it's a very interesting way to see to see to, to, to learn more about about what what makes a great fighter and all wow that mm. is cool man and like the the rotting guy I remember that guy was a fucking nut and apparently yeah. like as of December 2020 he's the number one pound for pound Muay Thai fighter in the world yeah 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 of course yeah so like, you watch the fights that and then Hardy goes through them but you watch him how he just like dominates some of the other fighters is is crazy yeah so he talks about Rod Tang in sort of like in awe, la, in admiration. La. Yeah, he says like, yeah, he's, he, he, in fact, because he, I guess he, he trains at the gym and he trains people at the gym now. He tries to incorporate a lot of like Rod Tang's uh, pacing and Rod Tang's, uh, you know, aggressiveness and everything in his training as well. La. So, so it's, mm. uh, and, and you know, in the, in the US, I think nobody would have heard of, of Rod Tang because they just think that UFC is the best and everything. But but when yeah. you actually watch Rod Tang in person, wow, it's like he's a, scary, he's a man. Fucking nut, man. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's scary. scary. He's scary as shit. Yeah. yeah. And he's twenty three years old. He seems like old. a funny guy, lah. Yeah, twenty three years 23? old. Twenty three years old. Yeah. And over. Rod like, Tang is twenty three. Yeah, three hundred fights under his belt. Man. It's crazy. Oh my god, Rod Tang looks like a guy who'd be super fun to hang out with. But mm. if you like insult his mother or something, he would just destroy you, lah. Yeah. Apparently, he started training when he was eight. He started like fighting when he was eight years old. Like fighting Holy in shit, matches and everything, so so then even yeah, oh, then Hardy even brings up brings up yeah, then Hardy brought up a good point that when you are eight years old and fighting, probably you are not taking a lot of brain damage or and neither are you giving a lot of brain damage, so that actually gives you a lot of time to like uh, work on your craft before you actually start getting brain damage from from fighting. <laughs> so that with that that the amount of time to learn his craft he's really what? had much more experience than anyone who picked it up in their teens or whatever oh like. my god it's quite he's it's quite it's a fair like, point I, la. it's quite a fair point that's true I guess I guess if you look at him he looks older la. he looks older yeah man if you've but been like 300 shit. fights you better look old man <laughs> yeah. oh my god that is insane but yeah. but yeah cool cool, cool man alright so now just as we end this we are both Terrence and I are getting ready to watch our, our Euro game at midnight, uh, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's right, that's right. <laughs> Bringing down the average cost of our <laughs> Euro game. Uh, After our long discussion about it. Uh. I don't know. Yeah, that's right. I, I, I don't know. I, I, are we the only idiots that think so much about this 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 subscription thing? No uh? way. Probably not, right? No, no, no. I think people do. Yeah, probably yeah, not, probably yeah, not. Yeah. I think a lot yeah, about it. I think, it. I think we're not alone. Uh. Yeah, yeah. And then at the end of the day, yeah. uh, then after that you go out and buy bubble tea for like ten bucks or whatever, you know. She's <laughs> <Just> like <laughs> fucking idiot. Uh. Or invest invest in nickel, uh, you know, just throw a few hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> exactly, away. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. All right. Cool. cool Thanks for listening, man. Talk to y'all soon.